Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 145, and we are recording on Tuesday, January 24th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing this week? I am doing pretty well. We finally got our new washer and dryer, so I have delightfully been listening to audiobooks all day while doing loads of laundry. I've never been so excited to have a washer and dryer. I um, have reached peak adulting, I think. (laughs) Yes. And when you started describing that, I'm like, you know, that sounds like a quality afternoon. Get some laundry done, listen to some audiobooks. Like, that just sounds like a magnificently productive day. Yeah, it, you know, it is lovely, considering that we haven't had any for two months. So I am so happy I don't have to lug my laundry to a friend's house or to a laundromat. It's it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is very much a luxury that, well, I think I really started appreciating it when I went to college and had to deal with the whole communal yeah washer and dryer thing but the great thing about college was that i lived in a big dorm so there were like six washers and dryers so if no one was using them i could do a ton of loads of laundry all at once it was fantastic and then that that dream evaporated when i moved into a single person (laughs) apartment but yes having your own washer and dryer is the hashtag dream (laughs) (laughs) it is it is really nice and uh the the corgis little Gwenlian has not adjusted yet, but she'll she'll get there. I don't know why she suddenly is afraid of them when she grew up like she's entire her entire life she had them and then she didn't have them for two months and you forgot child? Like I don't know. Anyway, how are you doing, Katie? Oh gosh. No, it's it, it, fine. 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 Everything's fine. No, it's <laughs> just been, <laughs> the last week has been has been a little busy. Um little chaotic, had car trouble that's thankfully now fixed, but uh, we had to take our oldest cat to the vet, well, to the cardiologist last week because the vet detected a heart murmur. And she was like, has he, has he been diagnosed with that before? I'm like, that's new. So we take him and they were like, no, I think he, like, we found what would have been causing it, but it's such a minor, it's such a minor thing that we don't foresee it causing any problems. It flares up when he gets anxious. And overall, his heart looks amazing for a 16 year old cat. So I had to pay $700 for them to tell me that everything's fine. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, vet cardiologists are not cheap. My goodness. And that is the third time we have taken Gilbert to that specialty vet clinic, and they are amazing. But all three times we have taken him, it has turned out that there is nothing wrong with him. So I have paid probably close to a couple thousand dollars at this point in total for them to tell me there's nothing wrong with my cat. So, (laughs) you know, I guess that's uh, why we also, I guess, need 
pet insurance that is affordable. That would be great as well. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) the good news is that Gilbert is, is healthy as best as we can tell and that the heart murmur is not anything to worry about. On the other hand, I'm like, look, if I have to keep t- taking you to this vet. We're going like, to have a conversation, pal. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So, yeah. So, last, that just combined with everything. It's been a little hectic. And so, like, the last few days when I come home, I just kind of, like, flop on the couch and zone out with a with a video game instead of an audio book. I might try switching that up a little bit. But, yeah, just kind of just – that's just how it's been rolling the last week or so. But have you been reading anything Needless uh, to say, I have not. So <laughs> have you been reading anything? I haven't been listening to anything that is a mystery or thriller, but it's been doing some nonfiction. So if you subscribe to the nonfiction newsletter, that will be showing up. But I haven't circled back around to mysteries and thrillers. But the crime reads most anticipated list came out. So we're all over that. And I'm very excited with these large TBR that I've created. <laughs> Yes, my TBR has expanded tremendously. I used that as a tool for ordering adult fiction at my library and kind of filling in the gaps of what I need to order before our fiscal year ends in April. And yeah, I literally had this up. I'm like, oh, we got to get that, got to get that, got to get that, and I'll put a hold on it, got to get that. (laughs) So... (laughs) Librarians, right? So yeah, no that that was that was a delight, and of course it came out I think like two days after we recorded. So I'm yeah. just like, well, <laughs> we tried. <laughs> well, now I will include it in the show notes, and people can go check it out and uh, see. And, you know, tell us what their favorite, most anticipated books are. I'd love to learn more about that from our listeners. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, before we jump into our episode, let's go ahead and hear from our first sponsor. Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. So if you are new to the show, welcome. We are delighted to have you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are also delighted to have you as well. (laughs) And like we said at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and true crime and just about anything that falls in those categories. And that includes a lot of stuff. So whether it's different subgenres of mysteries that you've been interested in that but haven't explored if it's author read-alikes or happenings in the world of true crime or award news or anything along those lines it's probably fair game for us to talk about on this show so if you have listened to the show previously you know that this is always the point where we put out a call to our lovely listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes because believe it or not we really do take those into account when we plan out what we're going to be talking about next it's really a great way for us to know what you the listeners would like to hear more of it's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons it's just a win-win situation all around So we always put out the call ahead of time just to get those creative juices flowing while you are listening to the show. 
And if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can send us an email or reach out to us via social media. And of course, even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that is also totally awesome. We love hearing from our listeners. So please do feel free if the spirit moves you. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And with that, before we jump into the meat of the episode, we did have uh, an exciting development recently in that the Edgar Award nominees for this year have been announced. And you can't see it, but I'm doing Muppet Arms and Jazz Hands, and I'm very, very excited. I always I always love award shortlists because, again, I'm like, my TBR it just has no idea what it's in for. And I was very, very pleasantly surprised with this batch of nominees. What did um, what what did you think when you took a look at it? I I really love the list this year in a lot of ways because there's a, a wider range of different um, mix of different kinds of mystery books. Like it's not weighted towards one subgenre or another. You have things like Jackal um, and Shudder, and then you have The Maid, which was super popular, but also books from smaller presses as well, which is really great to see. Yeah, I was immediately my well my first my. Favorite two categories are always best novel and best first novel. I don't know if it's just because I'm more familiar with the books that tend to end up on those short lists. But yeah, immediately when I looked at it, I it was either books that I had read or books that I've had on my TBR since they came out last year. And yeah, a couple of the other ones that I was excited about, which you mentioned, or in addition to the ones that you mentioned, More Than You'll Ever Know by Katie Gutierrez. Notes on an Execution by Dania Kukovka, The Devil Takes You Home by Gabino Iglesias. And that's just for the first couple of categories. We've also got really strong, well, they call it fact crime, not true crime, but strong contenders in the fact crime category. And then, of course, you always have to scroll to the bottom as well, because they also have the Mary Higgins Clark Award, they have the Sue Grafton Memorial Award, and again, just really, really solid entries. And I am really excited to prioritize some of these books on my TBR and hopefully get to them in the next couple of months. Yeah, I feel like when we have such big TBRs like we do, it's really difficult to know what books like to bring up to the top of your TBR. You can feel like that deer in a headlights sensation where you're like, I have so many books. I don't know what I'm going to choose, but this list can help you like figure that out. Like I have already bumped up a few on my TBR because they're on the list. Yeah. And that reminds me that I was part of the way through going through my to-read list on Goodreads, which I haven't touched in a while, and it was a little scary. Because half of the books on there, I'm like, I don't remember why I added these. So I think I think this is, this is a good opportunity to refresh out with some of the old books that I know I'm just never going to get to, put some, put some new ones in there, new blood, so to speak. And yeah, were some really, really good picks. I can guarantee that you'll that you the lovely listeners will be hearing about these over the next few weeks as we talk about what we're reading, you know, as we gear up for the the actual Edgar Awards and whatnot. So there should be some really good stuff to talk about. Yes. So the award uh, ceremony will be on April 27th. So we have a bit of a ways until then, but that gives us lots of times to read the shortlist. <laughs> 
Yep. And we will have a link in the show notes for the full listing. So you'll have a chance to peruse all of the categories and take a look at all of the shortlisted titles. And your TBRs will also collapse in pain just like ours. Because that's really our goal, I think. (laughs) Cause pain to everyone's TBRs. It's an excellent visual image. (laughs) Spoken like a true horror lover. (laughs) I'm just picturing like a real, a really rickety like chair that's like just got a stack of books on it and then it just goes, oh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Beauty and the Beast, like I quit and you're all your furniture leaves. No more. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and jump into the main part of the episode, our, our big topic for today's episode which is Cozy Mysteries. And it's one that I think over the years, we perpetually get requests from listeners to talk about more Cozy Mysteries. And, you know, I it's it's interesting because I don't know if it's just because they f- sometimes they feel so distinctive when you think about mysteries. You don't like Cozy Mysteries kind of operate sometimes in their own little world. But yeah, I it's some it's I know that sometimes we don't, you know, we don't talk about them as much. So yeah, we're hap- happy to bring a little bit of lightheartedness to the usual murder and mayhem that we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear listeners, we are we are very excited about this as well. And and I I love a cozy. I mean, they're just they're just so adorable and fun to read. Like, I feel like I missed out a lot of time. I could have been reading them because I like, you know, I was skeptical, but I shouldn't have been because they're so relaxing and, and lovely to read, especially with their little dark humor. You know, it's great. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely if I am like, because as I have always said, I, I always go for dark, demented and disturbing, which cozy mysteries definitively are not. So I don't naturally gravitate towards them. But when I do find one that ones that I really, really like, it's I agree, it's got to have that that dark, that darkly humorous edge to it. And Obviously, I mean, there's so much variety just in the world of mysteries and suspense. And there's also, a, you know, one thing I've come to appreciate is that there is so much variety in the world of cozy mysteries as well. Like on one end of the spectrum, you can you have like, you know, it's probably the stereotypical like, oh, yarn shop owner with a cat who solves crimes, that type of thing. And that's very much on the cozy end of the spectrum. And then you can move down the line. And you'll find stuff that has more of an edge to it that's still, you know, within the parameters of cozy mysteries, but, you know, they, but they, they take a different tact. But I, well, that actually just leads me to a question. How, how do you define cozy mystery as someone who reads them more frequently than I do? How would you, how would you point to a cozy mystery and say, yes, that's what that is? I would just say it's uh, less intense, like there's not as much of the thriller aspect at all. It's very often community-based. I mean, there's a gazillion bookstores, cafes, and cats on the covers of these things, right? (laughs) So it's more of a mood, but also it's not very graphic. And usually that doesn't just mean violence. Usually like it's a blackout, sexy time situation if there is any. And so like my mom, she just wants a good book to relax with, with nothing extravagant. She prefers a lower amount of language. And so she loves Cozy Mysteries. And she's read series that have like 30 some books in them. And she will reread the whole series. And I mean, that is, 
as a true fan. <laughs> yeah, and I've mentioned a few times on here, my mother-in-law has, she has collections of holiday-themed cozy mysteries that she brings out for the different holidays. Like, it usually starts around Halloween. She has her Halloween cozy mysteries and, like, you know, the classic mysteries. And then Christmas comes around and it's homicide for the holidays time in the Horner household. <laughs> That is so, an amazing tagline. <laughs> well, and I have, we've done a few Homicide for the Holiday themed episodes, thanks to her <laughs> on the podcast. I do a display now at work called Homicide for the Holidays. And when people say, oh my gosh, that's an amazing, that's an amazing name. I always tell them that's my mother-in-law. She, I don't, she coined it in in my circle. So I always give her credit. And <laughs> I was going to say, she may be listening to this episode as well. So. <laughs> well, we we appreciate her contribution to the podcast and displays <laughs> and all sorts of bookish things. <laughs> and you know, and just real quickly before we start talking about our separate picks, when you mentioned that it's you mentioned how your mom likes the long running series. And I think that's also part of the reason why I don't naturally gravitate towards them is because I'm not much of a series reader. I can I have a few exceptions, and quite frankly, they're usually series that only have a few books in them right now, and they're not ones that all of a sudden like explode and you've got like 10 books that came out in the last two years kind of thing. They're slower running series, and but usually I go for standalone, so if you approach me with it's like okay yeah there's this mystery it's really good there's 30 books in the, in the whole series I'm gonna go yeah oh, my attention span is just not that long. Yeah, like, I might read the first one. Or if you're like, oh, no, 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 there's this one in the middle that's really good. Like, I don't mind jumping into the middle of a series. It's, you know, it depends on the series, of course. But usually, I approach something like that. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> and that's just me. But with that, um, why don't you go ahead and give us uh, go ahead and kick us off? All right. So my first pick is Death by Dumpling by Vivian Chien. And this is a cozy mystery series, and the series is called A Noodle Shop Mystery. And I really love this series because it's based on um, this noodle shop, as it says, in Cleveland, Ohio. So Lana Lee uh, really did not see herself going back home to work in her family's noodle shop. In fact, that was the last thing on her list. But she had a really bad breakup, and so she moved back home to kind of figure out what she wanted to do with her life. One day, um, the property manager where her parents have their noodle shop, he comes in to eat very frequently. And so he comes in, has his usual order, um, and then he dies after eating some of their food. And so then, you know, Lana feels like she needs to... Um, obviously save her family's restaurant so that one, people think it's safe to eat there, but also... Um, like figure why he died because it's very random and very strange. And so this is really a look at an Asian American community in Cleveland. And I really appreciate the way she describes the community. You feel like you are part of it. And so I feel like this book, this first book sets up a lot of the series. There's nine in the series so far. The ninth one is coming out in June. Um, so it's not a ton um, out yet in the series, so you can catch up, I think, pretty easily. But um, it's a delightful read. I mean, as far as murder goes, like, it's it's a delightful read. And when you're de describing just the plot, I'm like, okay, that actually, I, I'm going to have to 
switch the order of the books that I'm talking about because one of mine it's like that's the exact plot of mine as well and <laughs> and I and that's not not a detriment to either book it's just you know especially for a lot of these cozies that fall into specific categories you start you see a lot of the same types of storylines play out but what's interesting is how they interpret those storylines and the details they put in and stuff like that yeah i think that's like part of the challenge of cozies is that a key part of cozies is the atmosphere. So you can have the same exact plot or trope or whatever, but the atmosphere might be completely different. And that's really important for readers because it's, again, it's a vibe, right? You want to feel like you're in the noodle shop. You want to feel like you're in the bookstore with that cat on the cover or whatever, or the corgi as there's an entire series with corgis on the cover I saw recently. So, (laughs) you know, I feel like that's a unique part of cozies. I like the way that you phrase that, that it's a vibe. And yeah, you just kind of you you know, when you know, when it the vibe is like, you're when you're when you're feeling it kind of. Yeah, it's really it's really fascinating to me because I enjoy cozies, but I'm not an avid reader, like my mom or your mother in law. So it's always like, what vibes do I like the best? And that's really helped me understand what cozies I might want to read because I'm very specific in that because I read like the same exact plot in a different book and I didn't really enjoy it. And I realized it it was just not a vibe that I really enjoyed, not that the book was bad in any way. And so that's a really interesting um, thought process, I guess. Yeah. And one uh, one last thought for me, just I I have found that in the cozies that I have read before, if there is a focus on food, the author is usually really, really good at describing food. Mm. Like, in a lot of these, I'm like, the the mystery is playing second fiddle to the descriptions of food here. And I know that some authors really will lean into that, like they'll include recipes and stuff at the end of their books, uh, especially if they have to do with baked goods. But... If food is involved, I usually end up not caring as much about the actual mystery because I'm sitting there going, wow, I'm really hungry now. Yeah. Yeah. My mom reads one of her favorite ones is like a baked goods series. And so she just loves the recipes in the book. So she listens to the audiobooks on script, but she checks out the books in the library to get the recipes. Mm-hmm. Tips and tricks for listeners. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the authors who include recipes know what they're doing. They do. Don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry and don't read a food a food cozy mystery when you're hungry. <laughs> you know, that really could be a good marketing scheme for grocery stores to put them in around the waiting line, you know, mm. as they get their stuff. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> so that was Death by Dumpling by Vivian Chen. And that was my first pick. What's yours, Katie? So my my first pick though that has a very similar plot line is Arsenic and Adobo by Mia P. Manansala. And this, I know, is a Book Riot favorite. And this one is the first out of three books in the Tita Rosie's Kitchen Mystery series. And this one, very much like your first pick, features a particular group of people. In this case, we have Lila, who comes back home to work at her family's uh, Filipino restaurant. And so she's come back to help them out. And they have someone, they, they have someone who comes to their restaurant and dies shortly after eating something, after eating dessert. And they find out later that there were traces of arsenic in the food. And 
like, you know, that's a common plot line, like I said. But what makes this all the more complicated is that the man who died is Lila's ex-boyfriend from back in high school. And he is also a food critic. And he has been really, really harsh on about their restaurant and has been publishing really nasty reviews and stuff. And, you know, it's been making an impact. And then on top of that, they are also facing issues with their landlord who is trying to evict them from the space and resell the storefront. And because Lila was the one who actually, who came out of the kitchen with the food that ultimately killed her ex-boyfriend, she is obviously the, the main suspect here. So when she gets this information, she says, okay, I need to figure out what's going on. This is also something that happens in a lot of cozies where, I mean, these are very much under the, you know, the, the amateur detective trope where you have someone who is not a detective and usually for good reason, but they find themselves either unwillingly or by their own mechanisms, they find themselves deeply involved with the investigation as to, as to what's going on. So Lila teams up with her friend and they decide that, yeah, the police are investigating this, but we're going to conduct our own investigation to find out what actually happened because they both know that she didn't put arsenic in the food. Yeah. So what makes this book really stand out is, like you said, the a lot of these cozies are very community oriented and there's a lot of emphasis put on Lila's relatives and the sense the sense of community and also the dynamics between family members and other people in the community and how adults relate to quote unquote children even if the children are now adults themselves and it's a really interesting dynamic because she does talk about it a lot and really highlights like you know how the how these relationships play out and of course there's also just so many descriptions of food and when i was in high school one of one of my really good friends was filipina and we went over to her house multiple times for dinner to hang out just our group of friends and her mother put on the most amazing feasts and she just had all this food every time we came over and i think in the book lila's character talks about how food is very much the love language for for the the people in her family and she's like you know that's how they show affection that's how they show love by feeding you and you know it you had to like if you you know if you did not clear everything on your plate if you did not go back for seconds if you refuse to take home a plate of food she's like that's a really significant insult and i remember going over to my friend's house and she and like the first time she was like okay you guys are going to have to stuff yourselves like she, this is you know she's like she's going to keep pushing food on you take a plate home like that's just how it is and we're like okay we can handle this <laughs> Mission accepted. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then after that, like we were going over to her house, and we'd like we'd prep for it like it was Thanksgiving. We're like, all right, haven't eaten all day, we're ready. And then she was talking about lumpia, and I'm like, oh, I haven't had good lumpia in so long. <laughs> so now I'm really hungry for lumpia. But yeah, so yeah, it's really 
it's really charming, even though obviously there's a dead person, but but there's yeah there's there's a lot of love and care that goes into describing these characters and yeah the food is the descriptions of food are just out of this world have you read this one yet and in your cozy mystery exploration <laughs> i haven't i haven't read it yet but i've heard nothing but absolutely wonderful things it's one of the top cozies of the last several years so i mean it's gotten a lot of love online yeah. No, it's um yeah, it's is really really good. So again, be warned if you read this book while hungry. I am not responsible for what may happen. Um but again, that is Arsenic and Adobo by Mia P. Manansala. All right. And then uh with that, let's take a quick pause and hear from our second sponsor. All right. What is your second pick? So my second pick is a bit of a backlist at this point, and that is The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie by Alan Bradley. Now, those of you who remember this book, it swept the cozy world by storm because it has just impeccable vibes. So it is set in the summer uh, of 1950. We are on a once the grounds of a once grand mansion of Buckshaw in England. And there's a young girl named Flavia de Luce, and she is an aspiring chemist. Now, she uh, is very precocious to the point of being obnoxious. She has older <laughs> sisters, right? You can understand why on earth they are so irritated with her. You Maybe it's just where I was in my life. Um, I am the youngest of youngest of youngest, and I still thought that she was <laughs> a bit of a lot. So uh, I uh, love, though, how... The characters are a bit over the top. Like, you know how Dickens will lean into, um, like, caricatures a little bit to, like, make his point? I feel like Alan Bradley does that a little bit with Flavia Flavia Toulouse. So, anyway, so uh, she is an aspiring chemist. Her dad is a bit emotionally distant, not only because he's British, but because uh, their mother passed away and he is just this man with a bunch of girls to raise it's a whole thing so flavia opens the door one day and there is a dead bird on her doorstep with a stamp on its beak if that wasn't weird enough hours later flavia finds it (laughs) flavia in her very funny way i'm remembering this thing very well she finds a man lying in the cucumber patch and she just like watches him as he like seems to be like dying and she's like a deer in the headlights what do i do so then she goes and she goes obviously and tells an adult and so then because she found the man she becomes determined to solve the mystery and that is the beginning of like a 10 book series and i love this book for its vibes because it is that older English countryside plus precocious girl kind of story. And I read a lot of those growing up. I mean, you think about, you know, Anne of Green Gables is basically a Canadian precocious girl in this, it's like type, like, you know, historical fiction, whatever. Anyway, so I, I really enjoyed this book. Again, if, if she's a little precocious for you, totally understandable, but I just like how over the top she is and how clinical she is compared to her sister's. I agree with pretty much everything that you said. It's been a long time since I've read the book, like probably close to 10 years at this point. But yeah, she made me think of like, if the character Eloise mm. from the picture book Eloise was yeah. a little bit older and solved mysteries. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book, but I also really enjoyed that it was a really solid, well-plotted mystery. Like, 
it wasn't where you say or where I've said sometimes the mystery feels like it can maybe take it sometimes gets put to the back burner a little bit, but from these other elements of the story. With this one, the mystery was really at the heart of it, and it was really well done. Like, it had all of the the fixings and the well-known tropes of cozy mysteries, but it really focused on solving the actual mystery as well. I thought it was really, really well done. And I've heard, I haven't finished the series, but I've heard that the rest of the series is also really delightful and and she kind of progresses has a whole character arc so i would love to hear from listeners on your thoughts on the rest of the series to see if i should go back and i would probably need to start from the beginning since it's been a while but yeah let me know your thoughts um this is a very very popular uh book it has a hundred and like sixty thousand ratings on goodreads so very popular and uh, yeah it finished up i believe with book 10 so it is wrapped up, so you have all of them, and you can just go from book to book to book, which, from what my mom says, it tends to be the trend <laughs> with her series, too. So um, that is The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie by Alan Bradley. And that definitely sounds like a series you would want to read in order yeah. because of the character arc. So note to series readers out there. All right, so my second pick is... Not quite on the cozy end of the cozy spectrum, but I st- I still say that that it still fits. And this is Finlay Donovan is Killing It by El Casimano. It's the first book in the fin- Finlay Donovan series. There are currently, um, I want to say, there, I know there there are three. I, don't, I can't remember if the third one is out yet or not. If it's not out yet, it will be soon. But this book has a little bit more edge to it than... A lot of cozy mysteries. It's not, I mean, it's not filled with, you know, blood and lots of violence, but it definitely is more hard-edged than some of the other ones, but it's very, very funny. And so Finlay Donovan, the main character, is a an aspiring author. Well, she's written she's written books before, but she's she's a struggling author. Let's let's say that. She's struggling. She has a month to turn in her latest manuscript which she has barely started and she is she's really she her deadlines have been pushed back. Her agent is on her case and she is a newly divorced mother with two children under five. And when the book opens, it's breakfast time. Her four-year-old has decided to give herself a haircut before preschool and is now begging her to put to fix her hair by taping it onto her head with duct tape. Her young, her youngest at age two is covered in syrup and has a full diaper. The, the um, her ex-husband has fired their babysitter without telling her because he thinks that that he thinks that Finlay is irresponsible with her finances and he's like, we can't afford the babysitter, so I just took her away. And he, it's and her husband is a real piece of work. Let me just say that, like you figure that out really early on. He's had an affair with their real estate agent. They have since gotten engaged and married and she's and he's you know barely involved with taking care of their kids and it's like just in the first few pages i am not a parent myself but i was reading this going oh man um but anyway that is not related to the central to the central point of the story i just wanted to kind of set up that scene so she's struggling and really struggling financially and so that morning she goes out for a meeting with her agent 
and she writes romantic suspense novels and she's talking about she's she's like I can't keep doing the the murder the same way you know I've got to do something different and and so they're talking about the plot of her book and then the agent leaves and then Finlay finds a note left on her tray from the restaurant that basically that's a very cryptic note with $50,000 the name of a man and a phone number and so she's like what what is this and she calls the phone number and it's this woman who's saying, I will pay you $50,000 to kill my husband. And Finley's going, what on earth are you talking about? Then realized she overheard them talking about the plot of her book and thought that Finlay was a trained assassin for hire. Like you do. Like this, hap- <laughs> this happens all the time when I go to Panera. Like this, this is just how the world works. Like it literally takes place in a Panera. And I was like... <laughs> Maybe this is why I go to usually go to Panera by myself. <laughs> but from there, and she's like, uh, no, I am not going to kill your husband. But then she's looking and she's going, oh, $50,000. But then she's like, no, no, no. What I mean, she's like, I understand, you know, wanting to wreak havoc on your husband if, you know, he's done some of the stuff that Finn's husband has done. But this woman is like, no, 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 no. My husband has done far worse. Like, and there, she's she's very cryptic, but she's like, there are like, you know, he's he knows dangerous people, but if he will, you know, it'll be really bad if he finds out that I know that there have been more. And she's really, really cryptic, and she, and so Finn is like, uh, okay, what's going on here? So she decides she's going to investigate, and needless to say. The man, the man does end up dying, although not entirely by, not entirely due to due to Finn's interfering. But now she's in a whole heap of trouble, and she's involved in a murder investigation, and she needs to figure out what she's doing next. And this is all while dealing with all the stuff in her personal life. And now she has found herself as a an assassin for hire, when all she wanted was just to go to a meeting at Panera. So, yeah, so that's, that is the premise of the series. And so when I say it's a little more hard edge, like I said, she's not, you know, she's not going out and stabbing people. But there are some, there are some darker topics in in there with blackmail and what this guy does in his relationships with women and so there there are some mild trigger warnings for that it's not they don't go into explicit detail but it's you know it's it's on the surface so just be aware of that and the 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 language is not excessive but if you're reading a cozy mystery thinking that you'll escape an f-bomb that's not the case here. I made a note of that. I'm like, okay, not bad. to me. I never noticed, but because we talk about cozy mysteries, I'm like, okay, this might be one. If, if I know a reader is prefers to not have coarse language in their stories, we might hold off on this one. But it is very funny. It is both absurd and relatable at the same time. Again, like I, like I said, the whole accidentally find yourself as an assassin is ridiculous. But then I was like, but is it really? Like, <laughs> our entire world is absurd. And so it's a, you just kind of you just kind of roll with it. You're like, yeah, yeah, this might as well happen. Why not? But yeah, it's just it's very it's got that dark that dark humor is has a very relatable characters. And it's got a lot of, you know, it's 
it's it has the mystery and the murder but there's also you know her struggles as a mother and as a professional and wanting to do bodily harm to her ex-husband and yeah so it's just it's a mix of all of this stuff and yeah it's it's a really really charming is is it's not charming in the way that like the Flavia Deleuze series is charming but it definitely has its own charm i feel like when certain people are drawn into being assassins like that's that's a perfect premise like you're like oh yes of course like this oddly this makes might it. as well happen right right i mean it makes sense it's like the the grandmother that's up to no good books or whatever yes right mm-hmm. an elderly woman is up to no good yes yes i'm here for it <laughs> yes and i feel like everyone has that friend where you're like yeah this would happen to them yeah yeah I, I can see it, <laughs> especially in this economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this book has gotten, when it came out just a couple of years ago, it's gotten a lot of, it's gotten a lot of acclaim. It's gotten a lot of really positive reviews from readers. Yeah, it's just, it's a really, just I think a universally entertaining pick. So if you're looking for, I guess, a cozy with a little bit more bite, this one would be a, a good one to pick up. So again, that's Finlay Donovan is Killing It by Al Cosimano. And so with that, obviously, cozy mysteries are just, you know, an enormous world in and of themselves. But if you have any other cozies that you really, really like, any suggestions like, oh, the ones that we talked about, if you have good read-alikes or just something completely out of left field that you think is really interesting, let us know. Because clearly there, I mean, a lot of cozy readers, as our inbox indicates, and we have a lot of cozy readers in just in our own lives. So yeah, any suggestions that you that you may have would would be most welcome. And with that... Let's go ahead, jump into new releases, and I am going to have you go first with this one because I am super duper mega excited about this book. <laughs> um, so we are both fans of Jane Harper, and she has a new book out called The Exiles, and her last two books have been standalones, but with this book, she is returning to the Aaron Folk series, and this is the third book in that series. And this one is about um, a... Baby who is found alone in her stroller and her mom has disappeared. And so then go jump to a year later and this person, you know, it, still they don't know what happened to her. And then it is set in South Australian wine country. And then, you know, of course, Aaron Folk shows up. And as we know, like, he's a monies guy. Like, he's a federal investigator with funds. So I find it really unique how he finds himself in these situations. Like, I've only met my roommate in college wanted to do this. She wanted to be a uh, accountant for the FBI. And it was a very interesting job that I didn't even know existed. So I'm guessing it also, I mean, obviously also exists in Australia, but like, I don't know. I really love the way that Jane Harper writes Aaron's character. I feel like she walks familiar routes with different stories and different things, but um, uh, she does a unique, unique take on it. Yeah, and Jane Harper, as I've said many times on this show before, is one of the best read-alike suggestions I've ever found for Tana French. And yeah, I remember reading The Dry and just being so blown away by how much 
it was reminding me of just a classic Dublin Murder Squad series. And I've read three of her four currently published books, and I've just, I've loved all of them. So yeah, I am so excited for her, for this next one. And what's our other new book? Um, Our other new book is The Promise Boys by Nick Brooks, which is out on January 31st. And this is a young adult mystery, which is described as if you take Angie Thomas, Jason Reynolds, and Karen McManus and just kind of combine them into one story. And so this sounds super interesting. So we have the Urban Promise Prep School that their motto is that they turn boys into men. And so we have three students who are all who are close friends. We've got JB, Ramon and Trey. And they are as students, they are forced to follow the school's very, very strict rules. There's lots of extreme discipline, which they said is essential if they want to be successful college bound students and to avoid the fates of many men in their neighborhoods. And supposedly this method saves lives. And this method was designed by their principal, Principal Moore. But when Moore ends up murdered and the police investigate, the three students, JB, Ramon, and Trey, they emerge as the prime suspects. And so all three of them have said that they are innocent, but the cops do not believe them. And so the three of them have to band together to track down who actually murdered the principal. So you have this thriller with the all of the requisite murder mystery elements in place, but there's also a very, very strong social commentary aspect to it. And it's a real look at how schools are often set up to fail the students that they're supposed to be helping, especially for Black and Latinx students, especially for Black and Latinx teen boys. And how it just looks at how a lot of times these these types of students are often set up to fail before they've ever had a chance to really succeed. So it sounds like that there's a lot of layers going on. There's a lot of opportunity for really poignant, you know, for observations, you know, about the system that really preys on disadvantaged families, disadvantaged students. And it sounds so, so, so interesting. And again, that is Promise Boys by Nick Brooks, and that is out on January 31st. Okay, well, I think I think that's our episode this week. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. Uh, we also send our thanks to our wonderful, wonderful sound editor, Jen Zink. She always makes us sound great. And for our show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or you can just search Book Riot in your podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email or feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at red or dead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester. And you can find Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. Of course, those are also linked in our show notes. And we'll talk to you all next time. Bye.